Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, a rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's a big day, and it's a big day because it's the festival of the holy pigskin. And it seems everything else in the whole world stops for this uh, matchup between two of the best teams in the, national, in the National Football League. And if you've been around St. John's at all, you know that I like to, to watch the, the NFL. And in particular, uh, it should be noted that the team that I follow has won more NFL championships than any other team in the history of the NFL. And so I thought it would be kind of cool to show maybe a, a, a highlight of a poignant moment in Super, Bowl, in Super Bowl history. Now, you guys tend to send me any number of emails, and I know there's probably a few of you already going to your computer to say, hey, Pastor Tim, you had a, you had a hot mic this morning, and I've already seen the email and the text messages on that, so I'm going to ask that you kind of lay back wherever you are and uh, look at this uh, an, an email I received from a, a gentleman whose wedding I did years and, and years ago who continues to be in touch with me from the Pacific Northwest he tunes into our worship services every single Sunday with his dear wife Kimmy and uh, this gentleman is a Naval Academy graduate as well uh, as a person who had served as a commander on a nuclear submarine. And while I discard many, many emails every day, I thought this one bared sharing with you. And with that, I'd ask my uh, marvelous AV guys who just carried me this morning to please roll that Super Bowl highlight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to have our national anthem sung by the combined choirs the United States Naval Academy, the United States Air Force Academy, the United States Military Academy at West Point, the United States Coast Guard Academy, and accompanied by the United States Army Herald Trumpets.
people with different ideologies standing up together. Andy Reid on one sideline for the Eagles, Tommy Brady on the other for the Patriots. It seems like so long ago, but there's something that, that, that invigorated my spirit this week as I looked at that. There was something that I, as I looked at this text from Mark chapter 1, and I saw that video with thousands of people in the stadium and millions of people tuned in. It took me to a different place in my heart and in my soul. That's probably the 10th time I've looked at that national anthem this week. It touched my heart, as I hope it touched yours as you watch it. People gathered together around a commonality of love and care, not just for football, but of patriotism and country. Takes me to a place where there's calm and cool, where anxiety and fatigue kind of give way to hope and faith. Sometimes we all need that solitary place. And in our text today from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, if you've been following along, we've been, we've been going bit by bit through St. Mark's first chapter of his gospel. And he's moving and he's shaking and he's moving and he's shaking. And finally, Jesus comes to this point where after having done so much, even Jesus needs to get away just a little bit. The word of the Lord from Mark 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for, for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there as well. Even Jesus needs the time. Jesus has been going at breakneck speed, and the gospel of Mark is very quick to, to, to key us into what Jesus is up to. Not only has he just gotten over a baptism and temptation in the wilderness, but he has moved from point to point, from place to place. From baptism and temptation to calling his disciples, he drives out an impure spirit, he heals people, and as he heals people, more people come, he becomes more and more popular, things become more and more pressed, the crowd gets to him over and over again to the point where he can't even sit down, and now the people in the crowds are demanding of him to heal their sick. And even his own disciples have kind of bought into the whole crowd. Ain't this great, Jesus? There's a lot of people following us. Look at the dust coming up the pathway into Capernaum. Look at all these people who are coming to see us. Think of how great this will be and how powerful this would be. Think of how great your name will be if you just kind of hang in there and do all of the stuff that they expect you to do. And tucked away, in Mark chapter 1, are a little set of verses that remind us that even Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Joseph and Mary, who is able to deal with evil spirits and heal the sick, even Jesus needed a moment to back off, to chill out, and to pray. 
in our own lives, that sense of fatigue is, is, is a whole different thing right now. And I get that. I had to laugh yesterday as I was going out on a bike ride with my son and, and, and a, a number of friends, some of his friends and, and, and one of mine, and, and, I, <laughs> and I'm walking in Mayberry Ranch to put my bike onto the path, and a gentleman who I dearly love and, and his daughter, he goes, are you going to be ready to go to, Pastor Tim, have you seen the Supreme Court decision, you're ready to, to get to on-site church, and I had about seven emails by the time I was done with the bike ride, I had over a dozen emails, I had over 20 text messages that said, did you see, did you see, did you see? What are you going to do? That kind of fatigue. It's not just being a pastor and leading a church that presents those sort of fatiguing moments, but your life as well. About a year ago, we had normal life, and, and normal life had its sense of fatigue as well. Go here, do that, rise up, go to work, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Just go and, and, and make it happen. Normal life had its ebbs and flows, and, and it took a lot of energy to keep normal life going. And then normal life would throw, uh, throw an abnormal piece at us. Normal illness leads to an abnormal life, a, a sense of stress and, and anxiety in a relationship, a divorce, a kid goes sideways, and all of a sudden normal life gives way to abnormal life. And managing that creates its own sense of fatigue and its own sense of what am I going to do and its own sense of anxiety that doesn't seem to ever step back. And then there was COVID life. And COVID life brought with it the, the, the normal life plus the abnormal life plus the intensity that came with a constant pivoting and changing on the ever-changing sands of science and politics and the right thing to do and sociological mores and all of those things led to this sense of intensity that wore us out. I find myself in a place where I either sleep like an absolute rock like I did on Friday night or I sleep like I did last night, tossing and turning almost the whole evening just waiting to get up and tackle the challenges of COVID life. And that's my life. You have your life, your pieces of fatigue, your pieces of, of, of life that are normal, abnormal, and COVID that wear you out. From our youngest people who are trying to figure out how to Zoom for school to our middle-aged young adult people who are trying to figure out what life and economy and the job market's going to be for them when this breaks. To people in my age who are saying, when do we get the vaccine and what will that look like and how will we respond and when will we get back to the way life is meant to be? And then the older people are seasoned citizens. Some, at least this week in our ministry, struggling with the loss of loved ones. There's normal life, abnormal life, COVID life, and your life. And I wonder what that looks like for you as you sit perhaps in a quiet place this morning trying to figure out what your next move will be. 
Now, Pastor Tim is not a what would Jesus do guy because I'm a, I'm a Lutheran. And yet in this text, it becomes kind of a, 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 a just a part of it. It presents itself to, to say, what would Jesus do? When Jesus confronts disease, Jesus would heal it. Well, I don't have that ability. When it comes to an evil spirit, Jesus goes in and, and, and Jesus takes care of it as only Jesus can do. When it comes to confronting sin, Jesus dies for it. When it comes to confronting death, Jesus rises from the dead. So a lot of times when I think about what would Jesus do, there's pieces of that that I simply can't do. But this text isn't one of them. So here's what Jesus did. He went out of the city of Capernaum, which maybe had 400 residents, a beautiful place along the Sea of Galilee. Jesus found a quiet place. In the morning as the sun came up over the eastern sky of the lake, and he prayed. And that's what Jesus did. And I believe that from this text, that's what Jesus calls us to as well. To find a solitary moment here and there and to pray. In 2020, my wife and I were able to take a trip and get away. And we went to one of the most desolate places we could possibly find. And, and there we rented a little VRBO in a place called Hurricane Utah. We also got a little VRBO in Kanab, Utah, and drove all across the southern part of Utah and the northern part of Minnesota, socially distancing as, as much as is humanly possible in a place that is desolate and solitary. There was a place where we stood on a very desolate part of a very quiet highway, and we looked from south to north into what is called the Grand Staircase Escalante. And you may want to, after we worship together this morning, Google that and look at the beautiful pictures of that. There's very few houses and homes. There's very few antennas. There's very few lights. There's very few cars. There's very few people. It's solitary. As I tell you the story, I can relate to where we were sitting with our truck when we got out of the truck, the coolness of the October air, the wind blowing through our hairs, us not even necessarily needing to speak to one another, but being able to have a, a, a quiet moment in a beautiful place where the heart is able to set free and let go of fatigue and anxiety and be restored as the Spirit of God breathes in the breath of life from the first article gifts of God whom we confess has made all things in heaven and on earth including solitary beautiful places like the grand staircase Escalante maybe you're in your solitary place this morning it could be that as, as we worship, you have your blanket over up to your waist, you have your cup of coffee or your orange juice, maybe you've got a piece of toast, or if you're lucky, avocado toast. Maybe you're in your solitary place right now. 
Maybe you wake up in the, in the morning and just kind of chill out or sit in your backyard. Maybe you have that little solitary place where everything shuts off and you're able to pray to the Lord Jesus and put the anxieties and the fears and the tension of the day before Him, before you go out and tackle what you have to tackle. For me, it's exercise. For me, it's the opportunity to get out in a, in a quiet way, to hear my heart beating, to, to, to feel my lungs filling with air and blowing out air, to feel the sweat go on, on my back every so often to pick myself up after a, a crash. But sometimes in the quiet of riding that bike up Black Star Canyon, I lapse into this marvelous sense of prayer for my wife and children and my grandchildren, my grandson, for our church, for our world, for our leaders. Sometimes just that quiet, solitary moment has a salutary effect on my heart. Where's your solitary place? Where do you chill out? Maybe it is your couch, your chair, your backyard. And maybe even when there's people around, when you go to that place, anxiety ebbs. And you find a way to connect to the Lord in prayer. Jesus prayed. In Luke's gospel, Jesus prays all the time. In Mark's gospel, Jesus prays when there's something big going on. In our text today from Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus goes out to a solitary place and he prays because he's got a whole bunch more before him. Jesus prays and connects to his Father in prayer to find relief and strength for what lies ahead. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, as, as Mark records Jesus' prayer, he's just fed 5,000 and he's tired, he's worn out again. Because Jesus is truly is the Son of God. He is also completely human in every way. And after he's expended a divine amount of energy, he is exhausted. And so he prays. And finally, at the end of Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 32, Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane before he grows to, goes to the cross as the sacrifice for all our sins. Jesus says, let this go, let this go. But if this is the way it is, Father, then I'm going all the way to the cross. And I will defeat the powers of sin and darkness, of anxiety, of fatigue and tension. And I will redeem my people and save them from their sins. And with that prayer, he went forward to the cross and the resurrection, to the ascension, to the indwelling power of his Holy Spirit that speaks to us even this morning through the power of his word. And so we pray. We pray when, when we are worn and tired. And we pray for strength. Lord, give me the foresight. Lord, give me the vision. Lord, be with me in my car on the way to work. Lord, be with my family. Lord, grant us your, your peace.
when we're worn and tired, we find that solitary place. We open our hands and we go to our Lord praying in the name of Jesus. And when there's more to do and people are prodding us like the disciples prodded Jesus, then again we turn to the Lord. Say, Lord, give us strength. Lord, walk with us. Lord, we've been through a lot. Lord, we need you. Times of preparation, times of fatigue, we reach out to the Lord in those times of challenge for his strength and his intervention and his power working in our lives. And when I pray, my prayers lead me here. It leads me back to the Word of God, to His hope and promises that are mine in Jesus and that are found on the ink and the paper and the pages of the Scripture. I am with you always to the very end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will come to you and raise you up on eagle's wings. I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and prayer leads me and all of us to the sure and certain promises of God in Jesus no matter where I ride that mountain bike no matter where I walk no matter that solitary place it seems I'm always led in faith back to the cross where I'm reminded that I am not alone where I am reminded that the one who died on the cross would rather die for me than live without me. That Jesus, that Savior. Prayer leads us from the Word to the cross. Today may not present so many solitary moments for you after worship. Your house may be appropriately having people over and doing your thing and billion people will be tuned into this event and as big and grand and powerful and inspiring as this event is for society today there's something that is infinitely bigger infinitely grander infinitely more powerful and it's that Jesus who comes to you in your solitary moments, who strengthens you and feeds you by his word and spirit, who reminds you that you are not alone. There's something bigger than the game today. It's that love of Jesus for you, the biggest, grandest gift of all. Without that gift, we give way to fatigue and anxiety. And with that gift, we've got a marvelous way of making it through the challenges. I think it's appropriate as we finish the message this morning that you join me, please, in prayer. Oh God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, and light rises up in darkness for the godly. Grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what you would have us do, 
so that we may be endowed with the spirit of wisdom and that in your light we may see light and in your straight path we may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.